Hello and welcome to the Conscious Parenting Paradigm Podcast. I'm your host, France Taillard, the HD Parenting Coach and Certified Conscious Parenting Coach. Today, you're listening to a special Conscious Parenting series, The Conscious Back to School. My desire with this series is to create more ease in your life, not only at the start of the school year, but for the entire year to come. You may find golden nuggets in here, some you already know and may have forgotten. Some are going to be brand new golden nuggets for you. I've interviewed various guests and together we shared our wisdom and had conversations to guide you and your child for the best school year to come. From sleep, nutrition, building resiliency, connecting with your child's teacher and so much more. I've also created a special limited time offer for you, a mini human design reading, differentiated learning. This is a one-on-one offer and it's all about guiding you to create ease with homework for your child through human design. Learning how your child is designed to digest information, their best environment for learning, to focus, structure, and so much more. Join me in exploring how we can ease this transition of back to school for ourselves and our children. Hello and welcome to today's podcast. Today, we're continuing on the Back to School in a Conscious Way series. And today we're with Lee Davidson. And she's, her zone of genius is all about building resiliency, dealing with adversity, stress, overwhelm, raising resilient kids, blended families, step parenting, and parenting. So there's a lot to unpack with her today. Welcome, Lee. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. So stress is a big thing. It is. Back to school, like in general. So let's talk about how it can affect us, you know, going back to school and any golden nuggets that you can give us, not just for back to school, but also, you know, to help us in the school year. Yeah. I think one of the important things to remember about stress is um, we tend to think that it's external things that cause Mm -hmm. stress and that external events. So we'll think something like, well, going back to school is a stressful time and, you know, something will happen and that is stressful. But actually, these are just sort of circumstances in our life and they're stressors, so they will trigger responses, but stress is really created by what we think about what is happening in our life and our body's response to it. So if we're framing and we're building up in our mind, oh, it's back to school, this is such a stressful time, we are likely going to trigger having more of a stress response versus telling ourselves, okay, this is a time that requires a little bit more patience, um, but it's also an exciting time. It's a time that we're going to have to adjust to. So really looking at how we are approaching stress, I think is the most important thing we can do. And that's what actually the research has shown, that it's our response to the stress that is problematic in our life. Stress um, to have reactions. Oh, I love that. I love that a lot. And it's the same for everything, right? We create our environment by our Yeah. So it can exactly. be a very stressful situation. But if you're 
for me, it comes down to self-care as well. Like if you take yeah. care of yourself and um, you perceive it in a different way, then it's going to be not as stressful. So I love that's that. That's right. It's all the perception. And that's why people can have um, the same situation happen to them, the same circumstances. And one person responds in one way and somebody else responds in the other way. It doesn't have to do with, you know, the circumstance. It has to do with what our response is. And that's a good thing. That's good news because we get to choose our response. We get to choose what we make circumstances mean. We get to decide how we're going to face things and deal with things. And that may be, we still want to deal with them um, feeling uh, not necessarily that it's sunshine, rainbows, and butterflies. We still may feel it's difficult, but we get to decide what our reaction is. And that can involve things like self-care and connecting with others and getting extra support. Okay. Um, just a little bit side note here related to school, but in a deeper way. So I was on a Mamas and Co., which we're both part of this mm -hmm. morning on the Facebook group. And there's a mom that was asking about like I'm so stressed about like the next lockdown that's going to be happening phase four and whatever so what can like that mom that's like you know I'm done with all this lockdown stuff and I just want to go back to quote-unquote normal and right. she's already perceiving the stress mm -hmm. yeah and the impact of what it's going to have like what advice would you give her I think um mindfulness has uh, become so important in our lives because of exactly that. We are starting to stress about things that have not already even happened. Mm -hmm. And when we have, um, our brain doesn't know the difference between what is happening in reality and what is happening in our imagination. And um, our imagination is sort of running wild with the future. And instead of saying to the brain, what if we go into lockdown, which is going to create feelings of panic and anxiety and overwhelm even before something happens, just shifting the language a li little bit to even if we go into lockdown and looking at what will my brain go to then? You know, if I say to you, what if we go into lockdown versus even if we go into lockdown, you're sending your brain on a different pathway to try to find different um, evidence and different solutions. So I think that you have to bring yourself back to the present as much as possible. I know that it's hard not to worry about the future. And with my clients, I usually suggest to them setting aside some time every day for like their worry time and allowing their brain to run wild during that time. So it sort of appeases what the brain wants to go off and panic. But then at other points, reminding your brain, no, we're not going to go there right now. We're going to stay very, very present. We're going to focus on what's happening now. We're going to focus on like what I can see, what I can feel, what I can hear, what I can touch in the present moment now. Because worrying about the future and being anxious about it, it's not going to change the future. It's just going to make me more miserable right now in addition to later on. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> and even, I, I've never heard that before, even if. And just hearing you say those words, like, what if? And it, like, causes my body to, like, contract and to just, exactly. like, shrink. And when you said even if, it's like, oh, my body can relax. 
Yeah, um, because it, it doesn't deny that it's going to be challenging. So even if, you know, what if we do go into another lockdown and, you know, I can feel that too. It rises. I get that stress mm -hmm. response comes up in my body. There's tension, there's anxiety. But when I remind myself, okay, even if we go into lockdown, my brain starts searching for the proof of how I have handled it. You know, even if we do this again, it's hard, but we can do it. We get through it. We'll have to reach out for extra help. We'll have to, you know, find systems. We'll have to just stretch ourselves just a little bit more. Our brain starts searching for the proof that we can do it instead of the proof that we can't do it. Mm -hmm. I love that. And more like taking that further, I find that the more that I do my self-care, the more that I meditate, the easier it is to go there. And then the more um, positive, different solutions that I never even thought possible come to me, you know, instead exactly. of stuff and the what if when you exactly you that expansion in your life. So I love yeah. that. Yeah, for sure. So, I oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say about even the self-care. I think that's why meditation and mindfulness is such an important piece of it because it fully grounds you in the present. And when we are in the present, we can concentrate on what's happening in our body there. We can help do some deep breathing, do some regulating, and that keeps us in more of a rest state. We don't allow our body to constantly be in that stress state, which causes so many other challenges, you know, it causes the anxiety, it causes um, us to feel the overwhelm and have, you know, even uh, physical symptoms and digestive trouble and, and um, sometimes headaches and migraines and all those things. So that self-care, I think, is so important to keep us in that present. And we can focus on what do I need now? And if I'm always taking care of me now, then I can trust that I will take care of the me now in the future as well. Yeah. And my advice is always like, if you, I've, I've been talking to moms and they said like in the past year, it's just something they've had to let go of is their self-care because they just didn't have enough time in a day. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's, I can't really see that life because I've lived that life before yeah. in the past. And even if I skip like two days or something, it's like, oh, like, no, that's, I don't want to live there because then your mind starts going into that worry, into that's that right. overwhelm, that stress even more. So yeah. it, like you said, yeah, it brings you back to the present. Yeah. And I think that, you know, this is a bit of a radical view, but a lot of times people don't do self-care because they think, well, it's selfish and other people need me yes. and I'll put my, my needs to the side. I actually think it's selfish not to do self-care. Um, it's selfish of you because you are responsible when you have kids um, for, for helping them get through something. And if you aren't taking care of yourself, you have nothing to draw from. So if you don't refill your cup on a daily basis, you are shortchanging the people in your life because you aren't able to provide them what you could offer them if you were taking care of yourself. Yeah, you're more reactive. Mm -hmm. There's like just not even, if, even if they're not going through anything and they do a little something, you're way more reactive, right? And then that, you know, causes 
what I talk about is um, a negative in your emotional bank account. It's exactly. your relationship with your child. And for every one negative that you have, you need five positive ones to just neutralize that. Exactly. Right? You exactly. don't have that time. In our no, day to, no, you know, that's more exhausting, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And then there's the shame and the guilt. Oh, and then we add the layers. Yes. Yes. Yeah. The layers. Yeah. And I love that you said that about self-care and, you know, it allows us to show up better for our children for mm -hmm. whatever they're going through. And we live in a different era. So, you know, before when we were raised, our moms were in an era of self-sacrifice, mm -hmm. but we're now in an era of self-love, right? Mm -hmm. However, for us as moms right now, we didn't grow up with that example. Right. So it's, it's a matter, I think, of, you know, creating that evidence, like you said, you know, the more that you create that evidence of how the self-care is beneficial for you and everybody else around you, then it's easier for you to not let it go on the back burner, exactly. to, you know, prioritize it. So I yeah, love that. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So stress and overwhelm, like, is there a big difference between the two and how can you deal with overwhelm? Well, I think that um, overwhelm is, um, I call it like an umbrella emotion because it encompasses so many other emotions. It's really, we're feeling, you know, frustration or anger or sadness or irritation or panic or anxiety. So I look at it almost like it's a sea of emotions and they're just all swirling together. And um, we tend to, when we feel overwhelmed, we tend to just shut down and we, we don't get anything accomplished. And one of the things that I, I do with my clients is an exercise where we sit down and we sort of parse out the different areas in your life. And we look at maybe, you know, your work environment and your relationship with your significant other and relationship with each child and perhaps like household things or leisure or self-care. And we go through those and we sort of identify what is the primary emotion that is driving this relationship, this little circle. So I almost say it's like a sea of emotions um, with overwhelm. And then we create these separate little ponds. And in these ponds, we ask, okay, what's the primary emotion that's affecting this area? And then we look at the other area. So start to parse those out because sometimes what happens is we feel like everything's going wrong. Everything's so hard. And we realize that, no, actually I'm just having a hard time in this area, but it's bleeding into every other area. And we've all seen that, you know, like you have a rough morning with getting the kids out the door or something, and you may arrive at work and a coworker says something to you and you just snap at them. And you realize, well, I'm not snapping because of the coworker. I'm snapping because I have been carrying and in my mind, I had this experience this morning. I had this emotional um, experience this morning that I'm carrying with me. And so the more we can sort of separate out some of those areas of our life and start identifying like, okay, I'm having a challenge in this area and not lead it into everything. Because as soon as it bleeds into everything, that's when we really create overwhelm. So we want to really acknowledge that those, all our feelings are valid. We need to feel them, but we also need to recognize that they are not in every single situation in 
everything that we do and help separate them out a little bit to make it a bit more manageable. And then we're able to say, okay, in this particular area, I'm feeling frustrated. What is one thing that I can do to help myself in this area? But in this area, I'm actually doing pretty good. So I can, you know, pat myself on the back for that. And, and I could just keep doing what I'm doing with that. I don't know if that makes sense. I often yeah, do like a does. visual for people, but. That does. And I can relate because right now there's a lot going on in my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I can easily <laughs> tap into the overwhelm. And then again, comes back to self-care. I'm like, oh, well, I, I don't have time for that right now. I'll do it later. And then it's just like, oh, it's been two days that I haven't done it. And I feel even more overwhelmed. Right. So right. it's, um, yeah. And then I did take that step back and look, okay, which areas am I feeling overwhelmed? Where do I need support? You know, exactly. how can I shift this? Yeah. Keep doing your self-care and then um, it helps you get through it. So yeah. Because overwhelm, if you carry it around, it's like, think of it like this giant backpack that everywhere yeah. you go, you're like carrying it around with you. But sometimes you don't have to. Sometimes you can put it down. And okay, I'm not feeling overwhelmed in this particular area. I can put my bag down. But uh, when we just allow it to take over, it just means we have to carry it everywhere with us. And everything we do starts to feel overwhelming. And that creates even more overwhelm. You know, overwhelm is really created by it's a feeling it's created by so many thoughts that we have so we also want to mind what the thoughts are going in um going on and just be be, being aware of how they're impacting us and and not letting everything bleed into every other area of our life yeah i agree i very much agree (laughs) um okay so let's talk about resiliency a little bit this is Uh, something I really enjoy talking about. So tell me what is resilience? I look at resilience as your ability to um, go through something, you know, basically it's get up again after you fall. It's Mm. your ability to bend and not break your ability to um, tolerate trials in your life and find some way to, not necessarily grow from them, although growing from them is great, but just to allow them to be there and recognize that it is, um, it's not a personal thing. This is just sort of how life is. It's like a test, a challenge, and how can I get up from this challenge? So how does it apply to our children and how can we raise resilient children? <laughs> That's the magic question because I think that um, we have a natural instinct to want to protect our children. And, you know, we often say we just want our children to be happy. And I, I just said to one of my kids recently, they're going through something. And I was just like, man, if I could just remove that from you and take it on myself, I would. And I think that most parents feel that way. Um, the challenge is, is we do try to do that when they're younger because we can, um, we, we are often able to remove the roadblocks for them, smooth over the obstacles, um, give them the solutions. And in doing so, we're kind of robbing them of the opportunity to develop that resiliency. Um, we're robbing them of the opportunity to, to develop resourcefulness. How are they going to, uh, solve problems? So 
in raising resilient children, first of all, we have to we have to learn how to be resilient ourselves. And part of that is we have to learn to manage our own emotions and know that we're going to have to tolerate some discomfort as parents watching our children struggle. Because I do think that part of raising resilient children is the struggle. Supporting them and loving them, but not coming in to be the rescue all the time. Um, one thing that I think is so important is to teach our kids how to be resourceful. And we can look to how the brain works with the idea of neuroplasticity. Our brain creates roots. And when we do the same thing over and over again, these roots become even more pronounced. So if you have a child who has a problem and he goes to mom to solve that problem, he creates a root. I have problem go to mom, mom solves problem. And if we keep doing that, he creates that constant root over and over and over again. The problem becomes as our kids get older and we don't have the solutions or we're not around all the time, he has not created other areas, other roots connecting to different ways that he can solve the problem. So I think as we're raising our kids, we wanna be careful to not just be the end route for them, but to ask them questions. What else can you do? Have you, what have you tried so far? You know, what do you think you could try? And so then the pattern becomes have problem, try this solution, ask this question, come up with this other option, and I can also ask mom. We just become one of their roots. And that way, as they go through life, they have many more resources. They have many more experiences that they can draw on. Oh, yeah, I remember a time when this happened to me and I tried this and it worked. Or I tried this and it didn't work, but I tried something else and it worked. As opposed to, I remember when this happened in the past and mom fixed it for me. So I think really helping our kids develop resilience is helping them to become really resourceful and understanding that is going to include failure, which is hard for them. And it's hard for us as parents to, to watch them go through that discomfort of failure as well. Yeah. And I agree. And I mean, for me, we, we've talked or we mentioned a little bit human design when we were chatting before. Mm -hmm. And for me, what I discovered is inside your human design, everyone has a different profile, which is how they're meant to travel through life. Mm -hmm. And um, for myself, I'm a line three. So which means it's all about the trial and error, and, right. which means that I make a lot of mistakes. And mm -hmm. I can remember so many situations, you know, my dad or my mom told me, don't do this, this will happen. But I had to do it for myself to figure out what was going to happen, right? Like, even if right. they told me, and it's exactly what happened, I had to do it for myself to learn. And then to be like, Oh, when I do this, this happens. And then it builds that resiliency and that resourcefulness, right? Exactly. So I found that really helpful to know that piece of information about myself. And mm -hmm. then my daughter is also a line three. <laughs> yeah, three so six. you know what you're in for. <laughs> oh, yeah. So it's like, really, um, I love what you said about like, 
guiding them to be more resourceful. It's like, okay, well, I'm not going to fix it for you, even if I know the answer. And when they do make mistakes, like what I've learned for my daughter is like, when she does make mistakes, it's not about like, oh my God, you made another mistake. Because I know that's how she's going through life. She's going to make a ton of mistakes. Right. And that's, that's, that's true for everyone, but like more so for those line threes and those line six. Right. So it's been able to give me like a step back and instead of like, you know, help her after she's resolved it, like help her find the lesson, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, what did we learn from this? And what are we going to do next time? You know, and what tools did you use to, you know, move through it? So, and I love that honoring the individuality, honoring Mm -hmm. each person's um, design, because you, you know, like we have a blended family of five kids, And I can tell you, um, you know, what works for one does not work for another. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you could think you've got it figured out. Oh, we'll just do it this way. And we just say this and we just implement this kind of discipline and we just guide them like this. And we think, all right, we'll just do the same for the next one. And it's like the worst thing that you can do. So really recognizing also um, that while you're teaching resourcefulness and helping them become resilient, they are all going to have different needs. You're going to have to adjust and evolve as a parent yourself. I know sometimes our older kids are are sort of saying to us like, oh, we never would have gotten away with that. We, you know, we, had we done that, that would have been this way or that way. Um, I think it's important to also evolve as a parent. And yeah, mm-hmm. no, I know that's what I knew then. And now I'm trying something differently, partly because I've evolved and partly because your sibling needs something different and that they, they, um, approach things differently and just really looking at that uniqueness of each person. Um, I think we have to take that into account when we help our kids in building their resilience. Yeah. There's no one size fits all. And I love that you said that because it's sure I was the same. Like I was the second oldest and then my two younger siblings were five and seven years young, or four and six years younger than me. And it was like, yeah, the stuff they got away with. Yeah. <laughs> we did not, we did not. But um, again, like as I'm an adult and a parent and as I studied conscious parenting, it's like, okay, well, you know what? It's okay. Like you said, like, you know, my parents evolved. It's a different time and Mm -hmm. their needs are different. So I don't think it's um, appropriate for parents or children to think that everyone should be treated the same because everyone is unique. Everyone has different needs. Mm-hmm. And um, having that human design piece allows you to stop resisting it and to, mm-hmm. you know, um, to allow you to parent your child in their way. And absolutely just a one size fits all box. I love that. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I wrote many notes and I loved everything that you shared with us today about stress, overwhelm and resiliency. Do you have anything, any last nugget you want to leave our audience with today? I think the only thing, you know, something that really helped me as a parent is um, you get to decide whether you are a good parent or a successful parent or a resilient parent. I think sometimes we hand over so much power to other people telling us if we're doing a good job or even our kids, like we look to our kids, well, if they're happy, if they're successful, if they're doing this, that must mean I'm a good parent or not a good parent. And as your kid, And I've got a lot of them. I I sort of look and I think, well, which kid is going to decide whether or not I'm a successful is going to decide whether or not I've I've done a good job. 
And it's the realization that, oh, I get to, I get to decide how I want to parent according to my values. And I get to sit down and write my own sort of success list. Like I, I want to teach my children. I can't guarantee they're going to learn. Mm -hmm. I want to love them. I can't guarantee that they're going to love me back. I want to implement, you know, certain traditions. I can't guarantee that you know, they're going to be receptive to those. And so really being true to your own values, coming from a place of I am trying to do things from a place of love. I'm trying to do things from how I understand things, um, but not necessarily handing over whether I'm successful or not to other people's interpretation or even to my children's interpretation. I want to live the life that I am trying to be the best person in. And I think that that has given me a lot of freedom as opposed to looking at, you know, well, this kid's having a hard time. What did I do wrong? Or my friend over here, her kids seem to be so much better than my kids, or they seem to be so much more successful and not externalizing all those comparisons, but really looking to myself. What do I value? What is my criteria? What is my success? And, and going by that. That, I love that you said the freedom piece there because I, when I was listening to you, I was like, that is so freeing. It's such a refreshing thought to have. And yeah, very, such a powerful thing for parents to take on with them going forward. So thank you for sharing that. You're so welcome. Thank you, Lee, for being with us. Thank you for having me. It was great to talk with you. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to the Conscious Parenting Paradigm Podcast. I am your host, France Taillard, Certified Conscious Parenting Coach. You can find me on Instagram or TikTok at Coach France T. You can find my link to my website in the show notes or on my social media profiles. I would love it if you would subscribe to and rate this podcast. I will be doing multiple Ask Me parenting episodes. So if you have any questions for me, please leave it inside a review on your favorite platform. Your feedback and support is so appreciated. See you next time where we will continue to explore conscious parenting together.